Jesus' name, I thank you for this day. For this day, Sunday, January the 3rd, because it's, it is the day that you've made, and we will choose to rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that every single person here has ears to hear what the Spirit of God would say. And right now, we set ourselves in a place of sobriety when it comes to the Word of God, in a place of seriousness when it comes to the Word of God, that we're not playing games, we're not, uh, we're not playing words with friends, we're not you know, out looking for recipes on the Internet, Father, that we're going to buckle down and we're going to listen and put away distractions and hear what you have to say, what you say to the church today. And Jesus said, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so, Lord, we just declare with all of our heart that we have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches today. And we do everything today to the glory of God and in Jesus' name. And everybody says... Amen. If you want to follow along in a Bible, we are going to be looking in, in um, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Okay? If you are online and watching us or you're listening or whatever, we are going to be receiving communion at the end. And I really apologize. I forgot to make note of that uh, when I when I put the notification up last night. But um, it is what it is. So grab a bread, grab a juice, grab something that... Uh, well, you can use to represent um, the body and blood of Jesus and we'll take communion. And if it offends your religious sensibilities, um, okay, so uh, Jesus is not religious at all. He's, he's glorious, he's alive, he's well, and he's totally, totally interested in what we're doing here today. Amen? So, last week, we finished out the year and if you were here, you know that, uh, that I preached about grace in the word thankfulness. And I read this scripture to you. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Excuse me. That word thankfulness is the Strong's, uh, comes from the Greek, Strong's word, uh, word number 5485, which comes from Cairo, charis, which means graciousness in manner or act. And we talked about this at length last week, that thankfulness is the constant acknowledgement of the grace of God operating in our lives. And if you were not here, I am not going to preach on that again or uh, explain all the different nuances of the meaning of grace. But if you weren't here, you need to go back and find the video. It'll be up on YouTube at some point. And um, you need to go back and either watch it or listen on SoundCloud and understand the consistent acknowledgement of the goodness of God and his, his demeanor and his posture towards us in our lives is more than just a positive outlook. It's, it's an agreement with the spiritual reality of the grace of God operating in our lives. And that's where thankfulness comes from. And it lifts us above the circumstances, the present things that we're going through. Amen? So, today I have a word that will kind of springboard off of that. But we're going to talk about 2021. And I want to start off 
with uh, just a little background on the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church obviously was established in Corinth, right? Uh, in, uh, in or around 52 AD by the Apostle Paul. You know Paul was very prolific in starting churches. And as I was doing some reading about the Corinthian church, it actually, some one of the things that I read said there was probably a group of somewhere between 40 and 150 people. And I thought, well, if pastoring 40 people was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's certainly good enough for Jim and Michelle Johnson. Amen? If being in a church of 40 people, 40 saints on fire for God, was good enough for the Corinthians, it's good enough for the Bluervians, or whatever you want to call yourself, the Huntleyans, or the Grenadians, or let's see, what else would we be? The Fairmontians. The what? The Winnebagans. Winnebagels. Yeah, Winnebagolins, whatever. But if, if, they could, if they could gather in small groups in, in the Corinthian church and be worthy of Paul writing letters to establish doctrine and correct things, then certainly a group of 30 or 40 people right now is worthy of, of what we input. Amen? And God looks at us the same way that he looked at the Corinthian church when Paul was uh, addressing the Corinthian church. We are a worthy group of people, and God has something to say to us. Amen? Amen. So what if the Corinthians were only 40 people? And, you know, on, on most Sundays, we're, I mean, if we're right around 40, we're like, woohoo, oh, just about everybody was there. You know, if we're like up to 50, we're like, yes, yes, you know. And if we're like at 28, we're like, oh, we had 28, that's fine, you know. We've had, how many, what was our lowest attendance when, a few years back during one of the snow binges, what was it? Oh, well, and there it was, it was six, our first night, I think we, in here. 15, 12, or 15? <laughs> that was in there. <laughs> Not including us, so that would be, yeah, that would be about uh, 12, I think, because that was before them. Yeah, BC, before children. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, we've had really low numbers. And, you know, honestly, when you're a church planter, um, that's one of the first things that other church planters will ask you. We're like, what are you running? Like, running? I don't know. I don't run that much. Um, <laughs> you know, and they want to know how, how your numbers are. Well, you know, our numbers go anywhere from 12 to uh, 47, you know. And, uh, but, you know, I want to encourage you, number one, it's a church plant, and I know I've said this before, and so the numbers are going to go up and down and up and down. That's just the way it is. Number two, if it was good enough for the Corinthian church, it's good enough for us. And while, yes, I want people to know Jesus and to come into the church, and I want the body to grow, my main focus is that we're all speaking the same thing, hearing the same thing, and loving on Jesus and pursuing him. And if we never get over 40, we never get over 40. It is what it is, you know? But I don't know what the Corinthian church was, but this one expert says it was anywhere between maybe 40 and 150. Well, honestly, in the city of Blue Earth, if we had 150, they'd consider us like a megachurch, you know? Because that's how, that's just how it is here in, in this town and in this part of the country. That's okay. My main concern is that we're in hot pursuit of the will of God 
Amen? And that when God has something to say to us, just like he had to say it to the Corinthians, that we open our ears and we listen. So the Corinthian church was established around 52 AD. And we're going to look at the letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. The city of Corinth was a major metropolis in the Roman Empire when the gospel was first introduced there. Because of its location, Corinth was a key to the trading world. It received heavy traffic by land and sea. It was hustling and bustling, full of merchants, and was a melting pot of different cultures. There's a parallel there, yes? Keep listening. Jew, Greeks, Italians, and more took up residence in Corinth, all bringing different lifestyles, values, and even different gods with them. Sounds familiar, yes? America is a melting pot, yes? So over the years, Corinth became known for its rampant prostitution and immorality. Huh. A high percentage of the population were slaves. And temples were dedicated to Aphrodite, Neptune, and other gods. And a huge part of their polytheistic culture was worshiping other gods and was the melting pot atmosphere of the city of Corinth. In fact, the Corinthians incorporated prostitution with their temple slaves and worship into their lives so much that around the world, people began to nickname loose women, you can put in your own vernacular there for a loose woman, Corinthian women. Ooh, that, that's pretty offensive, right? But this is... This is where the church in Corinth was. Can you see why maybe there were 40 people there? Because, because the whole city was a town of, what it said, a melting pot, and there were people there from all backgrounds, all cultures, all types of living styles. Okay, And because of that, the church did not overtake the whole city of Corinth. And they were what you would consider a small pocket. Okay? They were worthy of the Apostle Paul spending somewhere between a year and a half and three years in Corinth raising up, planting and raising up a church and then sending them letters. Even though they might have only been 40 people. Do you feel, do you feel more secure? Do you feel more uh, important? Because God says that Life Family Church in Blue Earth is important, no matter how many people we have. Yes? Amen. All right. So I'm going to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You can probably turn that screen off. Yeah. It is. It's going a little crazy. All right? Alright, so we're going to uh, start at verse 1. If you are following along with me in the Word, we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, the whole thing. Well, we're going to read 1 through 18. Okay? This is the second letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Some of the same things that he wrote in the first letter, he repeats in the second letter. And you will see that in many of Paul's letters that he wrote. Uh, if he wrote a 1 and a 2, he would do a lot of repeating. Okay? So, here we go. Ready? Read. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Stop. That word grace there, what word do you think it is? Charis. It's actually the same Strong's word 
number that you find in what I read to you from Colossians when he said, sing in your heart songs with what? Grace or thankfulness to God. And here, Paul is saying, working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. This should, this should open our eyes to what God is saying about his grace and about us being thankful. So Paul's saying, don't diss the grace of God that he poured into your life. Why? Well, we just read in Colossians, because we need to be thankful. Amen? Singing with thankfulness to, to the Lord. Amen? Then he says here, For he says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no cause for offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, that's little scuffles, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold we live, as punished yet not put to death, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony has Christ with Belial? What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. All right, uh, a couple things. How many of you in your Bibles, or if you're following along in a Bible, uh, in verse 2 and in verse 16 and 17, you have a section there that is in all caps? Uh-huh. Do you know what that means when you see things that are in all caps like that? What does that mean? That it's, it is a big deal. But that it's a direct quote from the Old Testament. 
when, when, uh, when Jesus walked the earth, he quoted the Old Testament. He didn't quote the book of 2 Corinthians, right? Because it wasn't around. He quoted the Old Testament. The Bible says that all things sum up in Christ. So you find Jesus from, from Genesis to Revelation. And so Jesus quoted the Old Testament when, when the writers... I should say the penners, because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible and men penned it under inspiration of God. When they were writing this and quoting the Old Testament, this is what they were preaching. They're preaching the Old Testament to people. Why? Because Jesus is found in the Old Testament. So when you see that from now on, sometimes it might be just in italics or, or underlined, but most Bibles will put it in all caps. You should have a little, a little flag go up. Oh, that's a direct quote from the Old Testament. And there's a reason we need to pay attention to that. Okay? Because when, when they were writing this and they were quoting the Old Testament, that means that there was correlation. And if somebody tells you, oh, well, that's just in the Old Testament. That was written to them. That wasn't written to us. Wrong. That's wrong. Okay? It's, it's directly quoting uh, the Old Testament. Okay? So, uh, also, I will say that the part here in verse mm, 17 that says come out from their midst and be separate is Revelation chapter 18. Do not touch what is unclean. Okay, God actually said that to his people in the book of Revelation. Alright? Okay. Does everybody get that? Yes. yes. So, this is what God's been speaking to me for this year. And I, I just want you to take it for what it is. Okay, God spoke to me and said, verse 17 is a key. This whole passage of 2 Corinthians, but verse 17 is a key. He says here, therefore come out from their midst and be separate and do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. And you know, in the grace of God, we say that everyone is welcome, right? Of course, he opens his arms wide and he welcomes us all. But today, to his people, he is saying, come out from among them, my friends, in 2021 and be separate. And I, I just wrote down a few things that God's been speaking to me about us separating ourselves from in the coming year. Um, so if you're taking notes, number one is pretty much Captain Obvious. Uh, come out from among them and be separate. Separate ourselves from sin. Amen? Obviously. Obviously. Corinth was known for its sin. So there's a reason that they quoted this to the Corinthians. There's a reason that Paul said this to the Corinthians because like I read to you in the and you can do a whole lot of historical research on these these um, these churches and these cities that these churches were in. Corinth was known as a sinful place. It's it's immorality uh, with the prostitution and just all the other immoral things that were going on. And besides that, great divisions in society and even in the church. And we know that because that's what the letters to the Corinthians dealt with. Dealt with some um, struggling that was going on in the church. There was division in the church. There was also sin in the church. 
So most of the time you will see uh, when they're dealing with things with these churches that the churches had actually allowed the, um, the over, overruling ways of the city that they lived in to infiltrate the church. And that's why the apostle had to deal with it. So the division in society had worked its way into the church. The church in Corinth was mostly Gentiles. There were some Jews, but it was mostly Gentile converts. And there, there was great division there. So today, God is calling us, just like Paul did to the Corinthian church, out of sin. And I am not standing here to tell you I am sinless, but I am standing here to tell you that God has put that out as a, as a call to us in this church, in this body, at this time, to get out of sin. If there's anything in your life that you know is not pleasing to God, the Bible says that anything that's not from faith is sin. So you're not just, you're not just gonna, you know, hang the Ten Commandments up and say, well, I didn't kill anybody today. And I didn't covet my neighbor's stuff. And I didn't take the Lord's name in vain. Yes, all these things are sin. But, but we live in a, in a higher place, on, in, a, in a new covenant. And the Bible says that the law is written in our hearts. And anything that's not from faith is sin. That's a higher plateau than just saying, well, I didn't kill anybody today, so I didn't break that one. Right? I didn't steal anything today. So I didn't break that one. So I'm good. Two for ten. Right? But anything that's not from faith is sin. And I want to encourage you. And I know this is serious. And I know this is sober. But if, you, if you're in sin, get out. Yes. Get out. Run. Run from the sin. Run, 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 run. Turn the other way and run from the sin. Because 2021, God says, come out from that and be separated from that. And if God is speaking that to us now, do you remember last year when God spoke some things to us in January, told us to draw the line and do these things, and we didn't have a clue? I can, just, I can honestly say, I didn't have a clue. I just heard what God said, and I spoke it out, and I thought... Well, that's cool, you know. That's cool. Um, and then when we revisited that in June, absolutely, the things that God had spoken, yeah. I'm glad we paid attention. But it was good we brought it back out again because he hadn't changed his mind and he knew the end from the beginning. Yes? And that's something we need to really start walking in is the knowledge that God knows the end from the beginning. So you may think that, well, this was a shock, but not to God. Yeah. Never. Never to God. Amen? Yeah. That's why he can say, uh, you know, praise be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Why? Because he sees the end from the beginning. And you may have had a hard time and you may have gotten sick and died. But in the end, you're victorious. Amen? Amen? You're standing around the throne with, uh, the, with the crown of righteousness that the Lord's prepared for those. And it may not look like a victory to other people, but it is a victory. And God knows the beginning and has seen it, has known the end from the beginning. Sorry. So we are being called right now, today, at this moment, to repent and purify ourselves. And we're going to focus 
on that because it is serious. I, I am very, very serious that God wants His church to purify themselves and to get out of sin. And, you know, we see things in the book of Acts. Do you remember seeing things in the book of Acts where, um, uh, well, remember uh, Ananias and Sapphira? There was judgment there, right? That's the New Testament. And, you know, we say we're living in the age of grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. But also, we will see things come to pass that will shock us. And the judgment of God will come. There will be things that are going to be exposed, particularly in this coming year, that will shock us. And I'm saying us because me too. Because I don't know what they are. I have an inkling of a few things, but it's just an inkling, and so I wouldn't ever put them out in the pulpit. But there are going to be things that are shouted from the housetops that have been whispered in the darkness, and the Bible says that. What, what has been whispered in dark corners is going to be shouted from the rooftops. It is going to be out there in the open for the whole world to see. And God in His grace and His mercy, is telling His people today, get out of sin. You got sin, you got addictions, you got attitudes, you've got things you're doing, things you're watching, things you know are not right. I am not here to preach legalism. I am here to preach freedom to you. Get out of sin. Because at some point, the hammer's going to drop and judgment's going to fall. And if anything, it's just going to be exposed. The Bible, the Bible is real clear about that. Real clear about the mercy and the grace of God and that love covers a multitude of sins. But it also says your sin will find you out. And whether it's me or you or someone, someone out, you know, outside of these walls, sin will be exposed this year. And to spare us, God wants to warn us Get out of sin. Come out from among that and be separated. Get out of sin. Do whatever you have to do to get out of sin. Amen? Okay, so enough said. Everybody agree? All right. Phew. Glad that's over. Come out from among and be separate. The, the second thing that God spoke to me was fear. Fear has become and will continue to grow into a major facet and a major operation in society. Fear is being used as one of the major tactics for compliance, for, um, for getting people to agree with you. So agreement, compliance. Do not um, let fear become a part of you. And do not think that you're, you're uh, you know, exempt from that. Because the spirit of fear is walking the earth. It's infiltrating everything. And if you don't believe the spirit of fear has infiltrated a church, the church, um, you know, it has. And I won't say a whole lot more than that. Um, because that's not my place. That's God's place to deal with individual bodies. And to deal with individual leaders. And he has dealt with me. And he has talked to me. And fear has become and will continue to grow into a major, major force in our society. We need to come out from that, brothers and sisters. Do not let it become a part of you. And I'm saying this as a charge. Uh, I'm not asking you. I'm just charging you by the Spirit of God. Do not let one fearful thought take root. 
It may try and come in. Absolutely. Do any of you have thoughts? Do you ever have a thought that you didn't start? Just come in like, boing, like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? That is just, that is just awful. And then do you ever have one of those thoughts and they came in and they actually put down roots and they stuck there and you just couldn't get it out of your head? Well, it's time to learn how to deal with those things because fear wants to come in. Fear is a spirit. And as the song says, fear is a liar. Yes, fear is a liar. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be circumspect and we shouldn't be realistic and we shouldn't prepare. Okay, we talked about, we talked about this yesterday at our house. Uh, preparation for bad things doesn't mean you're afraid. Okay? Preparing for the worst of scenarios does not mean you're afraid. So like if you come into my house and I got these five gallon buckets of flour and sugar and it's not because I'm afraid I won't be able to buy flour and sugar. It's because I know that there's a possibility in a fallen world where people are running around in fear and in sin and the government is twisted and perverse that there might be some way that, uh, you know, I, I might come up against a situation where it's hard to get these things. You know? Preparation is not fear. Preparing is not being fearful. It's being smart. S-M-R-T. Smart. And we can be smart and not afraid. And unfortunately, there are some people in the body of Christ that will poo-poo you and say, well, bless God, I'm just going to trust God. Well, I'm going to trust God too, and I hear his voice every day. And he told me to go out and buy 25 pounds of flour or an, order another case of toilet paper or whatever, you know. And you may think, well, those are menial things, but you know what? God is our provider. And he wants to provide for us, and one way that he does that is to help us to prepare for some things and to, to hear his voice and we, we looked through the Old Testament in particular for the last few months of the year. What did Joseph do? Joseph got warning from God and he heeded it. What would have happened if Joseph would have, would have listened to those dreams that, that, uh, that Pharaoh had and said, Oh, well, I'm just going to trust God. There may be famine coming, but I'm just, I'm just going to sit here and trust God. An entire nation would have starved to death. And, and the precursors to the Messiah, the lineage for the Messiah, would have starved to death because of just a lack of preparation. And the lack of preparation would have come from pride or spiritual stupidity or some other, uh, some other bad thing. You know, and I know that sounds pretty elementary, but preparation is not fear. Now, can you be in fear and be prepared? Absolutely. You can be in fear and do anything. You can be in fear and be paralyzed and not do a thing and still starve to death. Okay? You can, you can let the spirit of fear come take over and you can hoard or you cannot prepare at all. And so God's speaking to his people and say, come out from the fear and be separated from it. Do not let the spirit of fear overtake you, overtake your thoughts, overtake your heart. And if you don't do that, then God can speak to you and clearly help you in time of preparation and clearly tell you, there's a sale over here of canned meat. You might want to get it. Because God knows 
what's coming down the pike. He does. And I'm not saying that to put fear in you. I am saying that you need to hear from God. But you cannot hear from God when fear is blocking all of your receptors. Yeah. Amen? And we are not a people of fear. The Bible says that God doesn't take pleasure in those that fear or that shrink back. God takes pleasure in those that walk in love. And perfect love, the love of God, casts out all fear. That doesn't mean that it makes us blind or deaf to what is going on around us. But by removing the fear and separating ourselves from it, we can circumspectly look around and say, Lord, what should I do about this? And maybe he'll have you buy some stuff. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll say, I want you to just wait and I'm going to supernaturally show myself strong on your behalf. Okay, that's great. But you can't hear either of those things if all you're hearing and seeing and feeling is fear. Amen? And you know, this may seem very elementary, but it is going to be a huge thing in the coming months, in this coming year, and actually in the years ahead. But fear is something we have to separate ourselves from, yeah. friends. We have to. Because if we do not, we will be swept away in a current, and you will look back as you're drowning in fear and wonder how you got there. And it starts with one little thought that you entertain and allow to take root. That's how it comes. That's how it comes. And if, you know, if you're, if you're sitting here today or you're watching me today or you're listening to me today and you know that you deal with a lot of fear, I want to tell you that Jesus will set you free. Amen. And if you put yourself in the Word rather than put yourself uh, in the Internet, you will feed your faith and not your fear. Now, that does not mean we should bury our heads in the sand and not know what is going on around us. But do not allow yourselves to feed fear. If you find yourself starting to be fearful when you're watching or listening or reading something, turn it off. And turn on the Word of God. Either listen to it or watch it on TV or, or, uh, or open your Bible if you, you know, open the paper Bibles and crack it open, blow the dust off, and read it because that will dispel the fear and will help us to separate ourselves. There is sin in fear. And if we allow ourselves to entertain the thoughts that like to bombard us every once in a while, if you, if you can tell me I've never had a fearful thought, you, my friend, are lying. I have had plenty. And there have been times when I've allowed them to actually take root in my life, and I noticed they, they actually were controlling the way that I thought and the way that I responded to things. And sometimes our situation allows those, causes those thoughts to kind of take root, you know? And there's different circumstances and situations that I have been in, some as a child, some as an adult, that have caused a, one fearful thought to come. And then after that, the, it, it grows roots and it becomes a stronghold and it needs to be broken and we need to come out and be separate from the fear. Amen? And you can be fearful if you're a child. You can be fearful if you're a woman. You can be fearful if you're a big, strong man. You can be fearful for your family. You can be fearful for your health. You can be fearful for your future. You can be fearful for your money. You, you can be fearful of anything. 
Uh, you can have a fear of man and be afraid of what they think of you. And we'll deal with that in a little bit. Come out and be separate. Amen? Amen. The last thing, uh, and this I believe is a, is a big key, and we find this in the passage that we just read. Um, come out and be, um, and be separate. Come out from among them and in your identity. Okay? And here's, here's why I'm saying this. I want you to go back and read uh, 2 Corinthians 6. And I guess mm, he started really in verse 8. He said a lot of things. You know, uh, we commend ourselves as servant of God in endurance, afflictions, hardships, beatings, tumults, all these things. But then in verse 8, what does he start doing? Were you listening? He says, by glory and dishonor. By evil report and good report. Regarded as deceivers, yet we are truthful. As unknown, yet we are well known. What is that called when words are opposite like that? They are antonyms. Yes, they are contrasting. They are antonyms. I was actually looking for an answer from the two sitting in the front because we've actually just gone over that. But they're not even paying attention and don't even know I'm talking to them. So he lists these things. He lists these things. No, I'm not laughing. Uh, he lists, lists these things and they're all antonyms. They're all opposites. I am Regarded as one thing, yet I am the opposite. And I want to tell you what God's spoken to me, and this is probably the main thing that we need to come out from, uh, and I talked about the fear of man, in our identity as believers, we need to understand that there will be contradictions. There will be antonyms. We need to find our identity in Christ and cling to one another like never before, knowing that our reputation with the world may be of low esteem. This year, I believe, we will see this happen. And it may, it may be we see the beginning of this and then it, you know, just snowballs. But I do believe with all my heart that God has spoken to me and we're going to see this happen. Look at what Paul said. He said, as dying yet behold we live, as punished yet not put to death, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. He said, regarded as deceivers but yet truthful. The reputation is one thing, but the truth, the reality, is a different thing. This is a key, I believe, to this year because you will be slandered. And I am not putting that out there. That's why I said deal with the fear first. I'm not putting it out there to make you afraid. I am not putting it out there to, uh, to lie to you. I believe with all my heart this is true. You will be slandered. And maybe you've had that happen before, and that's persecution for the sake of righteousness. You know, because if the truth is maligned and the truth about you is maligned for no good reason, that's just because of the spirit of the Antichrist. And you need to understand that and we need to just accept that. But we get offended at that, particularly as Americans, because we're crusaders, you know, we're patriots and the truth needs to come to light and I agree. I completely agree. But we need to understand that the world may look at us in a very demeaning fashion because if it was good enough for Paul, if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. They will consider us liars 
but yet we are truthful. They will consider us crazy, but yet we're more sane than anybody they know. You know, they will consider us as immoral, and this has already started to happen. This has already started to happen. If you choose to not live in fear, particularly in this state, if you choose to say certain things that are the truth, the government, the governor, and, and some other people have come back and said, you are immoral. You are immoral. And they have every right to say that. But it's not true. But freedom, you know, there's freedom of speech, right? Right? There's freedom of speech. So really you can say what you want. But you, you watch. This will happen in 2021. And I dare say that the Holy Spirit told me this will happen here. Not in our church body, but to our church body in 2021. And I'm not, I'm just preparing you for that. Our reputation with the world may be of low esteem. For some of us here, it may mean that we lose something. It may mean that you lose your reputation. Even though it's not true what is being said. If, if it happened to Paul, it will happen to you. Do you remember when Paul was shipwrecked, when they were all shipwrecked on the island? And he was out gathering sticks. Why? Because he was a prisoner and a slave. And uh, they did not acknowledge the man of God in their presence. This is Paul, the apostle of all, right? And he's out there picking up sticks to make a fire. And a snake, a serpent, came out and bit him on the hand. And what did he do? He just shook it off in the fire. Why? Because he's a man of God. He didn't have any fear. He's like, get off of me. You can't, it's not my time. You can't take me. But what did the natives think about him? He got bit by a snake, so he must be a... Well, at first they thought he was a murderer. Right? And they waited for him to die. And then when he didn't die, then they thought he went from being a murderer, right? To, to being a god. Right? So, the world's idea of you will go up and down and up and down. But do not be surprised, the Bible says at the fiery trial, do not be shocked when you are maligned. Do not be shocked when you are spoken of poorly, when it's not the truth. Now, if it is the truth, you need to go back up to number one and get out of sin. He said, he said here, in the beginning of this letter, he said, um, verse 3, giving no cause for offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited, but in everything commending ourselves. And then he goes on with the opposite. Well, we're truthers, but they call us liars. We're, you know, this, but they call us that. We're this, but we've been, you know, uh, described as this. We need to find our, identi our identity right now, starting right this minute, in Christ and with each other, because contradictions will come this year. For some of us, there will be some kind of loss. But I can tell you right now, there's no loss that you can experience because of persecution uh, for the righteousness and the grace and the kingdom of God. There's not one single loss that God uh, is surprised by and that he can't take care of. Amen? He's not going to leave you, forsake you. He's going to honor you. And you may feel like when you walk out in the world or in your job or wherever you are among your family and they hate you and they're maligning you and they're saying bad things about you, you may feel like, where's God? Well, he is right there, justifying and vindicating you. Amen? 
And we need to get to the place where we're strong enough to blow it off and shake it off when it tries to bite us. And no matter what they say, whether they say we're a criminal or a God, we need to just shake it off and let it go and know that God is our justifier. Some of us may lose a reputation. Some of us may lose a relationship. Some of us may lose a job because of this. But there's not one single job in here that is God. Not one that is, should be our God. And there are jobs everywhere. And there's provision more than jobs. Yes. We must maintain our identity and our innocence and our courage. Yes. Amen? So 2021, we must be pure and holy, brave people that identify and exemplify Christ this year. He said if we're ashamed of Him, we bring no pleasure and He will not acknowledge us before our Father in Heaven. So we need to come out from wherever we're among. That doesn't mean we hate people, but we need to be circumspect and look around and decide, is this where I should be? Am I in sin? Am I in fear? Am I finding my identity with the world so that, I, so that the fear of man in me will not, be, uh, will not be accosted, will not be dealt with? And God says, come out from among them, among them and be separate today. Amen? Amen. Did you get something out of that? I believe this is a word from the Lord. I believe with all my heart this is for us today. And I am not saying these things because I know that you're in sin. I do not know that you're in sin. So if you're in sin and it's a secret sin and you haven't come and told us or whatever, we don't know about it. I can honestly say we, I don't know. Um, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that God doesn't know and it doesn't mean that I'm not spiritual. Okay? Just because God hasn't said something to me about you and what you're doing doesn't mean that um, he doesn't see and it doesn't mean that, that I need to know something and I don't know it. So we're going to receive the Lord's Supper today as his family, as his people, and we are doing that because the body represents the, the body of Christ that was broken. It also represents the body of Christ. And we are today establishing that we are separating ourselves from the fear, from the sin, and from the identity of the world. Amen? And uh, that we are acknowledging and binding ourselves to Christ and His body. Amen? We're going to leave the camera going while we receive communion, okay? No, we're going to go ahead and receive communion right now. So if someone wants to come up, where did it go? Oh, if someone would like to come up and serve the crackers that I'm dropping all over the floor, just leave them, and serve the juice. Thank you so much. All right, I'll just take this one down here. <laughs> and I know some of you are thinking, wow, Communion, two weeks in a row, that's, that's pretty awesome here. Um, because we generally don't, don't do that. Um, I felt like this was really important. And it's significant that we sealed last year with communion last week. And that we start this year and commit ourselves this year with communion this week. Okay? So you need to just hold on to your bread, hold on to your juice until everyone has been served. Okay?
just hold it please good job and as we're um, as we're preparing I want to encourage you to take this to heart the Bible says he who has ears to hear let him hear what the Spirit of God would be saying today if you know of someone that wasn't here today or even someone that doesn't come here and they need to hear this message as an encouragement to them maybe they're going through something maybe they're maybe they're being harassed by uh, their family or by their workplace or you know by people that they thought were their friends. Maybe they're in a situation where they're full of fear um, and afraid for the future, afraid for what tomorrow brings. Then I want to encourage you just to share this with them. I will give you my notes and uh, I will email you my notes. I am perfectly happy to do that. I don't have any secrets. Uh, I, am, I want to share with you what God has spoken. Amen. It's really important. So if you have your bread and your juice, I want you just to hold on to it. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to sing right at the end. Okay? We're going to sing a song. Twenty twenty is over, and everybody says, "Woohoo!" Right? But 2021 comes racing on the heels of 2020, and it's just a day difference. And while there are new things, Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new, there are things that have traveled right on, right on over the hump <laughs> of uh, 2020 into 2021. And I believe that there are incredible things by the Spirit of God that are going to happen in 2021. I believe we're going to see some of the things that I shared about things being exposed that will absolutely shock us. But I also believe with all my heart that, um, that God is calling us to separate ourselves from the world. And I know we talk about that, and that's what Ecclesia means, the called out ones, and you know that we say that we're separate, but, but really are we? If we lost every single thing today, would we still consider ourselves victorious in Christ? You know, and sometimes, and I'm not saying that we're going to lose everything, you know, but sometimes we, we've bought into the, the materialism in the gospel uh, that's not actually in the gospel, but man has put it in there. And we put things above serving God. And I don't ever want that to happen here. Do I believe in prosperity? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because Jesus died uh, and he became poor, the Bible says, so that we could be made rich. But what's your idea of rich? What's your idea of rich? You know? Is it having all your needs met? Is it being able to give to somebody else? Or is it hoarding things up for yourself that are rotting in some kind of warehouse? You know, like what we see in the Bible. And there's definitely some mindsets that need to be broken off of us, me included. And there's some changes that need to happen. And we need to come out from among things. And we need to be separate. And I know for me personally, God has spoken through this, through what he shared today. Uh, over the last couple weeks, God's been speaking some things to me about 2021 and just trusting him more than I ever have before. 
And I had to repent of not trusting God enough. And so I want to, I just want to encourage you, if this message spoke to you today, go home and pray about it. And read again uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians because they're just like us. So he wrote it to them, he wrote it to us. Forty of them, forty of us. Yes? Amen? So when, uh, when we receive the communion right now, I want us to remember that the body of Christ was broken for us and bruised and pierced and that not only did it buy us, did it purchase us the salvation so that when we die we go to heaven, it purchased us a place at the table. And the Bible says he prepares that table in the presence of our enemies. And as we are uh, receiving the body of Christ, remember that it is also the body of Christ. And we bind together as one man as we march into 2020, knowing that um, we find acceptance and love in the beloved. Amen? Amen. Let's eat. The Bible said when Jesus took the cup, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. He knew he was going to suffer for the sake of someone else. He was sinless. He didn't have to spill his blood for sins. He had to spill it for me. He had to spill it for you. And yet he did it, even though it caused overwhelming emotion in him to know what he was going to go through. Yet he took that cup and he committed to the New Testament. And we receive this today knowing that the blood of Christ was shed for us to purchase our salvation, which is not just dying and going to heaven, saving us every day, every minute, every hour. Amen? So let's drink. stand up and sing this together as we close out today. If you're here today and you know that this is spoken to you, I want to encourage you to share it with somebody else. Amen? We're going to go ahead and sign off. And we thank you for being with us.